Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Today is August 11th, 2021. Mm. You know what, Pastor Matt? What? Since last Sunday's message titled The Big Kahuna. Big Kahuna. I've been thinking a lot about what you guys shared. So much so that I started dreaming about the beaches of Hawaii. You did. Not just that, I decided to wear this shirt to celebrate how I'm feeling. Me too. See, when thinking about that sermon, thinking about the beaches of Hawaii, the monster waves of the North Sea and Peyton Parsons showing us how to masterfully, skillfully surf until the end, shoulder to shoulder with our brothers, guarding the mission of our big kahuna and our remnant of men. I mean, this whole congregation. Uh, Peyton Parsons is a shredder, man. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, he's a shredder. He, he, he serves like a big kahuna. Well, I know he's not the only one. I know you guys. You guys are students of the word, right? You take his word seriously. You take the teachings that we give you seriously. And we get to see it all lived out in transparency. Amen? Aren't you glad that you have pastors that open their lives to you and you open their lives to them? This gives us real-time information of how we're doing and growing as a church. So I confidently stand here today and know that since last Sunday's message, you husbands have been daily giving your family direction. Is that right, husbands? And wives, you've daily been seeking direction from your big kahuna. Is that right? Amen. Singles, we're not going to leave you out either. You, as well, have been getting direction from your high priest and spurring your brothers and sisters on towards love and good deeds. Is that right, singles? So, all together, let's turn to Numbers chapter 3, verse 7. We're We're going to reflect on some points from last Sunday's message because we have some more that we want to share with you guys that we glean from it. We're going to read this sound booth out of the ESV. Numbers 3, 6. I'm sorry, we'll start in verse 6. Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister to him. They shall keep guard over him and, everybody say and, and, over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting as they minister at the tabernacle. They shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and keep guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are wholly given to him from among the people of Israel. And you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. So look. I just want to remind you some of the things that we went through on Sunday. Through guarding the mission of Aaron and the whole congregation, the Levites would then fall under the protection, within the provision, and participating in the perpetual priesthood of Israel. Did you guys get that? They would have the privilege of participating in the kahuna, in the priesthood of Aaron and his sons. Receiving the right to interact with the anointing oil of God. How precious is that? 
having the ability to be clothed in sacred garments. Isn't that honorable? And the ability to offer sacrifices unto God. Moreover, they would have the unique honor of gaining an inheritance that no other tribe was allotted. That inheritance was the eternal priesthood of God. They would inherit the big kahuna. Man, isn't that a place of uniqueness, honor, and privilege? Well, they aren't the only ones who participate in this. In fact, speaking of big kahuna, weren't there two things the Levites had to guard simultaneously? Yes. You guys remember that? Yes. The mission or the mishmaret of Aaron and the mission of the whole congregation. And as far as I'm aware, pastor, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. You need both feet to successfully surf. That's what I've only seen. It's, it's not, it's not it's really two possible to surfers. do it one foot, right? Yeah, like a flamingo doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> so you need both feet to yes. successfully, successfully surf. You do. Much more to become a skillful surfer or the big kahuna. Oh, that's right. We would like to expound upon this two-footed requirement by turning to 1 Samuel chapter 2. When you get to 1 Samuel chapter 2, say there. 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 All right. 1 Samuel 2, picking up in verse 9, says this. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. Guard the what? The feet. Okay. But the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It's not by strength that one prevails. This portion taken out of verse 9 in 1 Samuel is Hannah's prayer after surrendering her son Samuel to the priestly service at the temple with Eli. Yeah. Man, was that difficult? Could you, could you imagine that? Your firstborn? Her declaration of God's character is that he will guard the feet of his faithful servant. Now, yeah. I got a question for you guys. How does she come to know that? Does she read it in a commentary for a day? Does she see it as a sign in the cloud formation or the, the latest Instagram post of her day? The answer is no. no. She experienced it. She, she had a, a moment with the Lord. She died. Her cry for a son was accompanied by a vow to dedicate him to the Lord, and she, was, she held true to this vow, her vow. Says, isn't it important that we hold true to our vows that we give the Lord? Yes. Amen. Just want to remind you that from Monday night. <laughs> she held true to her vow, guarding the mission of her high priest and the child that she was entrusted with. See, Hannah, she hung it all out there, man. She did. Yes, she did. She rode through the tension of two truths like a boss. I mean, Hannah could hang 10. In fact, in fact, the title of our sermon tonight is Hang 10. Everybody say Hang 10. Now, does everybody know what Hang 10 means? No. Right, raise your hand if you do not know what Hang 10 means. Okay. Okay, so uh, we're going to kick into educational moment here. To hang 10 is an expert move in surfing. 
And it's when you walk to the front of your surfboard and hang all 10 of your toes off of the edge. Please don't zoom in on my feet. That's not going to be appropriate for our videos. But for you here, imagine this is the front of the surfboard. I'm riding a wave. I'm hanging all 10 of my gigantic toes <laughs> off of the edge of that board. Yeah, exactly, Lincoln. What kind of confidence does that take? An immense amount of confidence. Well, just in case you weren't able to gaze upon my non-pedicured feet or imagine what this looks like in real life, we have a, a slide to help all of you land lovers for this. This guy is surfing like a boss. All 10 of his toes are hanging off the front of that surfboard. Yeah, come on, Bim. If this was me, I would be wearing a sweater in this picture. <laughs> and floaties. We're going to change that, but yes. So look, just in case you still are not able to relate to this, this sensation, this feeling. All right. Since you are land lovers, imagine we all go to a, a four story building. We take the elevator to the very top floor. We then have access to the roof. We walk up to the edge, take off our shoes, stand on the ledge and hang all 10 toes over that ledge. What does that begin to make you feel? Just call it out. Queasy, nervous. Throwing up. Yes, exactly. Now, the difference between that feeling that you just imagined standing on the top of that building and what you see here in this image is that you are stationary and he is not. Now, let's add to that feeling the sudden nature of collapse that that building begins to experience. Still hanging all 10 toes over the edge of that building and successfully surfing it all the way to the ground. Now you're getting the image and feeling what it means to hang 10. So let's bring this back home to us. Are you ready to talk about us for a little bit? Yeah. Our confidence to hang 10 comes from the promise that was stated in 1 Samuel 2, 9. That he will guard the feet of his faithful servants. His faithfulness is not circumstantial, nor is it environmental. It is eternal and immovable and immutable. That he has the ability to guard your feet regardless of the circumstance. You just have to step up to the front. You have to step up in your courage, step up in your confidence and your faith that God can even when you think that you cannot. So let's tie this back into where we've been on Sunday. When we guard the mission of our high priest and the whole congregation, our big kahuna will guard us in every step that we take. Let's throw that slide back up. I want to point out something. Do you guys see this man on the board? Does he look nervous? No, he has his hand in his pocket. Yeah. Is he, does he look stiff on the board? In fact, you can actually see the confidence that he has. His hands is behind him or in his pocket. 
His knees are slightly bent. You can see the turbulent waters right to the left side corner of the picture. <clears throat> and he's facing forward. This is the kind of confidence that we need to have. Being able to hang 10 in the midst of turbulent waters, the ever-moving tension of two truths, guarding the two missions of our priesthood, this requires a high level of confidence that our God will guard our feet. Amen. With that being said, you guys turn to Isaiah 50, and we'll look, take a look at this more. When we get to Isaiah 50, we're going to pick up in verse 4 and say, hang 10. It says this, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue yes. to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen as one being taught. This is actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Amen. As you guys are engaging with Isaiah 50, does anybody disagree that in the times of Isaiah, his days were turbulent? No. no. He's the prophet to the nation. He's in the midst of faithless prophets. He's dealing with kings that are disobedient to, the, to God's word. The list goes on and on and on. His yeah. day and time is very turbulent. And according to verse 4, where did the source of his confidence come in, mm. knowing that he can guard the mission of his priesthood? It came from the word, and the word came from God. See, Isaiah is able to get military intelligence and get, a, get ahead and given direction because he is putting himself in a position to receive direction from the Lord. He did. That his feet would be guarded as he moved forward in obedience. It's almost like he was hanging 10. So in the midst of all the things that, he was, that was going on in Israel, Isaiah positioned, he aligned himself to hear from God, to receive direction from God. And as a result of that, he can give direction and move in that direction Amen. and know that God could guard his feet yep. as he moved forward in obedience. It's no different in our lives, our lives, pastor. No, it's not. As a husband, I can have the confidence to give daily direction to my family when I align myself in position to engage with the Lord and receive direction from him daily. Amen. You guys tracking with us? This confidence I find in knowing the Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. Knowing the word that he's speaking to me in the morning that sustains the weary is then seen in my ability and gives me confidence to give direction to my wife. Amen. And her confidence. Come on now. Her confidence is then strengthened after receiving direction from me. Is then strengthened by following through. Say that with me. Following through, through with my direction and then receiving my praise and affirmation when it's completed. This is a direct reflection of my relationship with the Lord. The Lord speaks to me. I receive direction from him. I'm faithful to follow through with that direction and give direction to my family, give direction to my wife. She receives that direction with joy, follows through, and receives praise and affirmation from me. This is what the Lord demands of us. This is how we grow in our calling. This is how we grow in our priesthood. So, guys, let me just talk to you for a minute. Isn't it good whenever the Lord affirms you? When he speaks to you in one fashion or another, 
and said, you are my son whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. When he's given you an assignment, you've been faithful to complete it. And he then speaks those words over you. Well, husbands, that's exactly what your wife is looking for and needs from you. You see, the, the necessity to get divine direction is that not only are you dependent on it, you and your entire household are dependent on it. And not just for the sake of getting it right or fear that you may get it wrong, is that just as much as you need the affirmation of God, so does your wife and so does your children. And they need to hear you say to them, that was a fantastic job. That was exactly what I was looking for. Or being the priest of your home and helping them overcome their fears of why they're not able to follow through all the way. It's all our responsibility, which means that we depend on the divine to give us the ability to rightly pastor our homes. It's needed. Being able to align ourselves in position with our big kahuna is the biblical pattern of our priesthood that we see in scripture. So everybody check out Matthew chapter eight with me. Say hang 10 when you get there. Matthew 8, 7. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. See, the centurion is a soldier and he knows the importance of authority. He is confidently able to receive daily direction from his superiors. And he is confidently able to give daily direction to those that he's responsible for. In this case, his servant is sick. It's a turbulent situation. Instead of relying on his own arm, his own strength, he then approaches. Well, let me say this. He then recognizes and then approaches the big kahuna, King Jesus. See, he could have gone anywhere. But he saw a man with authority. And what he does is that he rightly positions himself, meaning that he steps up to the front of the board and he hangs ten. To then receive a life-giving word. We should all be incredibly encouraged by the centurion's faith. Because he shows us how to properly guard the mission of our fellow comrades. Our wives, our children, our brothers, our sisters. By having his priorities in order. The mission of the Lord came first. This is a demonstration of dependency on the Lord. This is what it looks like to be a priest. Single men, single women, if you're 8 or 80, this applies to you. Meaning this, how you relate to authority demonstrates how you relate to the Lord. Is your confidence found in how much you can conquer in your own strength? Because I tell you what, I bet it's not as much as the centurion accomplished. 
Yet he still had enough situational awareness to know authority when he saw it. And to go hang 10 to get what he needed from it. Your ability to faithfully follow your high priest's direction will determine how well you are able to then lead. When you lead from a place of priestly confidence, then you will find that the authority of God will guard your feet as well as guarding those that are entrusted to you. See, God gives us clear examples of exactly how we are to step up and have confidence to be his priest. Amen. When I look at the story in Matthew 8, I'm, I'm so encouraged by the centurion because his servant is sick. And there's an option to lean on his own strength, to be self-reliance. And he does it. And the lie that, that constantly swirls, swirls in my life is, you got to do it now, 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 now. Like, you have to make a decision right now. You don't have time to think. Just do something. And the centurion of Matthew 8 quiets himself, recognizes the authority that's in front of him, goes to the big kahuna, while his servant's life is on the line yeah. and says, I need a word from you. I am putting your mission first. I am willing to receive direction from you so yes. I know how to give direction to others. Come on. Don't believe the lie that we just have to rush into things. No, we need to be able to trust the Lord in the midst of turbulent circumstances, in the midst of chaos, and say, Lord, I trust you. If David could be in the midst of the desert... And find time to pray when Saul was chasing him. We can find time to ask God to give us divine direction. Receive that from him so we know how to direct those that we're responsible for. Amen. This pattern is beautiful. And we also see it in Judges chapter 7. Go there and say, hang 10. Judges 7, pick it up in verse 17. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp. Edge of the camp. Do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Oh, yeah. Do you hear the confidence in Gideon's call for his men to watch me and follow my lead? Do you guys oh, hear yeah. that? Yeah. Yes. This comes from a man who is secure in God's ability to guard his feet as he walks into battle. It is. That's priestly confidence. Now we have to ask ourselves a question. Does your leadership look like this? Or does it look more so like offering suggestions or opinions? Like maybe if you want to, kind of, just whenever you find some time. Or does it look like a demonstration of confidence and giving clear direction? Come on. Having this type of confidence that as I guard the mishmaret of my high priest, I will have, say that, I will have. I will have. What I need to guard the mishmaret of the congregation, my family, my wife, my daughter, those that I am directly responsible for, my brothers and their vision. God has given us the confidence as his priest to hang 10. Yeah. You guys remember that picture? He's not hanging 10 in the midst of calm waters. He's hanging 10 in the midst of chaos. And God is producing something beautiful in the priesthood. You see this in Gideon when he says this. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. 
That translates to, when I get to the edge, hang all ten toes off the front, ready to step into battle to do as I do. Come on. See, leaders have to be able to get out in front, to have vision for what's coming ahead, and to demonstrate what this looks like. And Gideon does this for his men. Yeah. What was that that he led them to do? To blow their trumpets and smash some jars. I don't know about you, Pastor, but that's some kind of hang ten chutzpah that Gideon is displaying here. There was no deviation from the Lord's direction, even if it was putting them in a vulnerable position to be wiped out. Very true. It's very clever of you, Ben. There's a very important point that Ben was making. And that's possessing the confidence to lead. Possessing the confidence to lead, it brings a whole new level to how you think yourself clear in leadership. And what I mean is, if you know you're going to look behind you and tell other men to do as I do, then you're going to have to seriously make sure that what you heard to do is from God. You cannot make flippant, irrational, impetuous decisions as a leader. Ones that are not derived from the divine mind of God. Other people's lives depend on it. Yes, I'm speaking to men. Yes, I'm speaking to husbands and wives. But don't mistake me. I'm also speaking to you single guys and girls. Learning how to discern God's divine direction is everything. Other people's lives depend on it. So consider carefully the direction that you give and make sure it's exactly the direction that you're getting. Everybody turn with me to Proverbs 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 25. This will keep us from being wiped out. Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. When you look at this verse and begin to think about our priesthood, our responsibility to guard both mishmarets, both missions. Through experience, don't you know that there are distractions that come along your way? Distractions that are aimed at getting you to swerve to the right or to the left, anywhere other than the priority of guarding both missions that God has given you? Distractions are aimed at getting you to solely focus on guarding only one of your two missions. See, what I just explained before, I know you did what I did. And that is distractions that try to remove you from focusing on any of the two that you're supposed to guard. But what happens when it's only just one? Well, that's not hanging ten. That's hanging half. No, 
That's not good at all. See, the priesthood that was purchased for us to participate in requires more than half-hearted efforts. It requires even more than 75, 80, 90% of our ability to guard. The priesthood that was purchased for you requires all, 100%. It requires all 10 appendages to hang off the edge of the board. To rightly function as a priest of God, you must keep your eyes fixed on the direction that he is leading you in. And continue to function in giving the direction that he's given you to those that he's entrusted to you. When I am no longer guarding both missions, meaning first his and then my family or whatever he's entrusted to me, that's when I begin to swerve. That's when I begin to stumble. That's when I begin to waffle in my walk or even result in wiping out, Bim. I'm solely focused on guarding what is right for my family, what is right for my family, what is right for my family, and I totally disregard what is right for my high priest. Or you think that you're so focused on what God has called me to do, what God has called me to do, yet you neglect the very thing that he's entrusted to you, your greatest ministry. See, we have to have both of our feet in play. Both feet are required to hang 10. When I am focusing on only one of my two missions, I am distracted by the guarding of something other than what God has originally assigned to me. I am guarding whatever it is that's rooted in fear. I'm guarding an entitlement that God didn't give me. I'm guarding an expectation that I added to what he said to me. So do you want a solution to this? Why don't we just repent? Why don't we just repent and put our feet to the fullest extent of trust-grounded obedience? Because here's the fact. The fact is that our God is able to guard the feet of his faithful servants. And this should cause joy to well up in here. This should cause your priesthood to have more confidence that God can make you successful in being his priest. And with the expectation that his joy and his confidence will overflow. I'm not talking about just a trickle. I'm not talking about half full and hanging five. I'm talking about hanging 10 and letting it overflow with joy and confidence. Because here's the truth. When you have that overflow of joy and confidence in your priesthood, everybody can see it. Everybody benefits from it. Man, when we walked in here tonight for worship, I could tell that everyone came prepared to enter into his presence. Ready to be in unity, letting the oil of the, the flow of God off of Aaron's beard flow right on top of us. I felt his favor tonight. And his favor to do something very specific. And that is to open your eyes and see the value of the priesthood that he's already given you. To see the garments that he has already adorned you in. He has made you into his image. And now it's time for us to joyfully begin to walk in that image. Do you have joy tonight, saints? Amen. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And when you get there, say, hang 10. 
All right, is everybody there? Picking up in verse 1, it says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, say that with me, overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. This is Paul commending the Macedonian church to the Corinthian church, stating that despite their very severe trial, despite the turbulent waters, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in their rich generosity. But I thought it took money to be joyful. No. Okay, good. It takes being in God's presence and seeking his kingdom first and everything else will be added to you. Amen. Isn't this really the test of our own hearts if we're willing to hang 10? To just hang it out. Hang it all out there in obedience. Yes. Yeah. Are we overflowing with joy or something else? Hmm. Is it the joy or, or it's, it's or, is it the joy or something else? We have to pick one. And our king is calling us to be joyful tonight. Think about this from this viewpoint regarding the Macedonian church. Paul's audience, as he was writing this, was written somewhere around 6 to 5 AD. So... Just track with us. 65 AD, no central AC. What? No, no indoor plumbing. No. Can you guys just bear with us for a second? It's getting rough, no man. Amazon Prime. Whoa. <clears throat> the ladies just fainted at this moment. No Amazon Prime, two cars in every driveway, or an abundance of food that was present. And that was normal life. That was normal life. And we haven't even named everything that we have that they've done. Exactly. Now, without those first world expectations, under very severe trial and extreme poverty, they were overflowing. Not just flowing, overflowing with joy and generosity. It's almost like you couldn't steal or take their joy away. It was almost like they understood that suffering is a part and hardships is a part of entering the kingdom of God. It is. You know what? Isn't that a true indicator of your source of joy? Is that whenever you're without something that you expect? Is joy really there? Or is it only there when you're getting what you expect? Or maybe even the promise of what you're going to expect? See, because when joy's there, when you're doing without and not getting it, man, that's pure joy. That's complete joy. In fact, lest I say that's priestly joy. You know, I just, I need a visual for this. Mr. Tisdale, why don't you come down forward? I want everybody to see this. Is Andrew a joyful man? Is there even more reason now to be joyful than ever before? Andrew, show everybody your joy. Although you didn't see it past his beard, he smiled. <laughs> this man is the priest of his home. This man is the big kahuna. This man has learned how to hang 10. Go to the very far edge of his faith and put his hands in his pocket and smile. This is a man who's going to shake the nations. 
And as a priest, he's going to carry the joy that he's learned to carry in here. And he's going to raise up other disciples to do the same. Amen. Amen. Church, we can see that joy is an indication of our confidence. It is. So if you lack confidence, you will lack joy. Hmm. Ultimately, your lack of joy is a lack of trust in the Lord. Do you guys see that progression? Yes. If you lack confidence, you lack joy. If you lack joy, it's a lack of your trust in the Lord. And when you lack trust in the Lord, you begin to withhold. Now, withhold what? Yeah. You withhold your patience. You withhold your kindness. You withhold your affection, your joy, your confidence to even try to step up to the ledge and just hang it out, hang it all out there. Yeah. Not only does the Lord want a nation of priests, he wants a nation of joyful, overflowing with joy priests. That's his desire. That's what he wants. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do a redo on this one. I want your confidence to rise tonight. Come on, you're sitting here because God chose you. He ordained your footsteps to be here, to be prepared, to be priest. It is a privilege to be part of his priesthood in this house. Bim's going to read this again and make sure that you don't injure a neighbor around you. But let's have physical demonstration of joy. Read it again for us, Bim. Not only does the Lord want a nation of priests, he wants a nation of joyful priests. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Oh, yeah! That's what I'm talking Woo! about. The shirts did it, Bim. Yeah. This is his desire. It's almost like Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him... Yes. He endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah. And he's calling us forth into that same calling. Amen. See, the eternal priesthood that you're participating right now, LCM, right now, is your inheritance. Yeah. So much so that it is absolutely worth dying for. Yeah, it is. You guys, you guys believe that? Yes. James says every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. What you're participating in right now, this eternal priesthood, is your inheritance, and it is absolutely worth dying for. Amen. Turn to Revelation chapter 7 for our last scripture for tonight. Revelation chapter 7, we'll start in verse 15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Where, saints? Hmm. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. 
He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Church, this passage is the declaration over those who joyfully and willingly stood faithful in the midst of the great tribulation. These were men and women who serve him day and night in his temple as a result of being faithful in the midst of great tribulation. They become a nation of joyful priests. These are men and women who are covered by the big kahuna. That he spreads his tent over them. Covered by the priesthood of Yeshua himself. These are men and women who lack no good thing. They are eternally provided for. Eternally protected. And eternally part of the priesthood. The final promise in this passage was that God would wipe away every tear from their eyes. Say every. every. He would wipe away every tear from their eyes. Look, the dark forces of this world took away their lives, but they could not take away God's ability to fill them with joy and resurrection power. This world has no hold on the faithful servants of God. We serve a faithful high priest. One who will not let us wipe out, but will wipe away every tear of his faithful nation, a joyful priest. Church, are you a nation of joyful priests? Can you demonstrate it in your deeds? Because his power is there to enable you to do so. Come on, you guys stand to your feet. Can you guys tell that this word is working inside of us? Yes. Tonight, church, during our altar time, we are going to find confidence and joy. We're destined for it. Tonight, you can find the confidence in being covered by his heavenly priesthood as you walk in the tension of guarding both missions. Overcoming your fear of stepping up to the edge of your faith. Tonight, you can find the joy in the midst of that tension. Joyfully receiving direction and joyfully giving direction. It's time to step up to the edge, church. It's time to step up to the edge of that board with both feet and have confidence that our God will guard our feet because we are faithful to guard his priesthood church this is the call tonight it's not time to to fall on our knees and fall on our faces it's time to be overwhelmingly joyful to know that we are inheriting the kingdom now as we pray as you pray come up to the altar step out on the board of your faith Hang out all 10 of those toes and say, Lord, you are faithful and your promises are yes and amen. And let yourself be full, overwhelmingly full, overflowing with the joy of the Lord. Father, we thank you.
Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are the source of our joy. Father, we declare tonight that your name be glorified. We thank you for the praise that you've given us. We thank you for the direction we receive. Father, we love you and we glorify your name, King Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah,